Amen. Turn around and say hello to someone, then be seated, please. Amen. Amen. So glad that you're here with us. And then we've got folks out there live streaming right now who are viewing us, and they wish they were here. They wish they could be here. We've got, we've got you know, we've got people who consider this their church, and they are thousands of miles away, and they can't be here every Sunday. And shame on folks who won't drive a few blocks or a few miles. But uh, there are people thousands of miles away who consider this their church. And boy, I tell you what, I know it's the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's His church, His local church. But I also want to put a personal touch to it. You know what? Uh, we're, we're part of it. We're the material that He's building His church with. You believe that? Amen. I do. I absolutely believe that. And uh, when somebody says, somebody ought to do such and so. Really? Well, you're somebody. <laughs> In Christ, we're somebody. Well, somebody ought to pray. Somebody ought to give. Somebody ought to fix this. Well, then do it. Amen. 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 And we've got all authority in and through Jesus Christ. We've given you a scripture verse, and all of you out there, online have already memorized this, I know, Hebrews 4, 14 through 16, got little slips of paper in the back you can pick up, you can look it up in your Bible right now, Hebrews 4, 14 through 16, seeing then that we have a what? A great high priest that is what? Passed into the what? Heavens. Who? Jesus, the Son of God. Let us what? Hold fast our what? Profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our what? Infirmities. But was in all points tempted like as we are yet without what? Sin. Let us therefore come how? Boldly under the throne of grace. There it is. That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Alright. We need to, we need to remember. Come on. Get a, get a piece of paper. Come on. Get a piece of paper. Get that. Mark that. Memorize that. And, and on the back, write down the days that you go over that and over it and over it and over it and claim it. We've uh, already claimed 2 Chronicles 7, 14. If my people, what? Which are called by my name shall, what? Humble themselves and what? Pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Amen. I want to say welcome to Bert and Bertie Zick out there and all the folks down there in Florida and all of our amazing Grace Mission people, I got the report. Now, because of your prayers and your support, yesterday in the flea markets, they had 12 precious souls saved. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Let's go soul winning. Amen. Amen. One of our, one of our missionaries has written that uh, perhaps we need to think of our nation differently Instead of thinking of us as only a post-Christian nation, maybe we should think of America as a pre-Christian nation. A mission field, amen? Amen. Teddy Roosevelt said the teachings of the Bible are so interwoven and entwined with our whole civic and social life that it would be literally impossible for us to figure to ourselves what that life would be if those teachings were removed. That was Teddy Roosevelt. Now, he was... He was I mean, he ran one time with one of the parties, and then he formed his own party, and it was the progressive party. So there's a progressive. That's my kind of progressive. I like a progressive who acknowledges Jesus Christ. I like a progressive who's so progressive they're into Jesus. Amen. And then there's this. America was born a Christian nation. You know who said that? 
Woodrow Wilson. American was America was born a Christian nation. America was born to exemplify that devotion to the elements of righteousness which are derived from the revelation of Holy Scripture. Amen. Now here's one for you. American life is building and can alone survive upon the fundamental philosophy announced by the Savior so long ago. That was Herbert Hoover. And then there was our President Harry Truman who said, this is a Christian nation. Now they weren't worried about inclusivism or pluralism. They just said it like it is. This nation was founded upon the truth. We've kind of drifted, haven't we? But I tell you what, it's not over yet. I believe in a God who can turn it around. And I believe He's given to us responsibilities and opportunities to be part of that revival, part of that turning around. And I'm in a church that worships a God who can do it and will do it by His grace according to His promises. Amen. Amen. Now we're trying to turn another nation around too as well. Project number 10. Thank you for all of your faithful giving to our regular tithes and offerings and to our special projects. This is project number 10. Only going to run it one more week after this. For $2.50 you can put a pocket-sized Polish Bible in the hands of a member of the Polish military or Polish law enforcement. We're going to try to evangelize Poland. That's it. We don't want that iron curtain to go back up again. Amen. So help us do that with your special giving. Now, just think about that. What, $100, $200, $500, $1,000 given to Project 10 this or next week can accomplish. I hope that you'll help us to do that. Thank you to everybody out there that sends in their tithes and offerings and their special giving. That is wonderful, and we praise the Lord for you. Got some folks that are working around here. They're working as hard as they possibly can. And uh, cleaning up the outside, cleaning up the inside, putting in light bulbs. I mean, getting the maintenance done, cleaning up the bathrooms, cleaning up the floors, getting everything settled. And uh, this next Saturday, we are going to have the biggest work day thus far. I want everybody to come out 10 o'clock and we're going to put in light bulbs and we're going to clean up outside and inside and make this place up and running every corner of it. We want to get it done if we possibly can. So come out and be part of it this next Saturday. How many of you are excited about that? Raise your hands. How many of you are in favor of that? Raise your hands. How many of you are going to try to be there? Amen. See, I got you, didn't I? All right, we're going to try to be there. Praise the Lord. Starting up things. We're going to talk about it. Talk about running some buses, talk about having some classes, having some ministries, talking about that. Come back tonight. We're going to have a singing group sing tonight. I want you to be back to hear that singing group. They're going to practice at 5.30 today. We have a mixed vocal ensemble that will present a special number tonight. So things are starting back up. We're excited. Out here as you leave, you can pick up your copy or copies of Days of Praise. That's for September, October, November. And you can get one for yourself, uh, one for yourself at home, one for yourself at the office, one for yourself, your spouse, one for yourself or some other person or friend. And you can take as many as you can prayerfully use. Yes, I know there are still a week and two days left in this month, but I want to get, get you all prepped and ready to roll. So there you are. Today's bulletin, beautiful bulletin day, nice job, all right? Prayers that get answered. And yes, that's more than just an implication. There are some prayer attempts that are not successful, and we're going to talk about that today. I am, um, 
I am so glad that the Bible is a simple book for folks like us. And we've got the Holy Spirit to make it clear, make it plain. I feel sorry for those people that have fallen into the trap of buying a new modern translation on the grounds that it would be understandable. But then you've got to ask, what is there to understand? I'm telling you, this Bible was written at about a fourth grade level, okay? So no offense to our third and second and first graders out there, but about a fourth grade level. And I know that little kids, I have seen three-year-olds read from the Bible. Doesn't mean they had 100% comprehension, but I've seen them read from the Bible. It is possible to sound out the words. And, uh, and God has given us His Word simply. This one is inspired and preserved. I'm talking about the old King James Bible. I want you to hold it up right now and repeat after me if you believe it. Say, I believe the Bible is the Word of God. I believe the Bible is the Word of God. I believe there are no mistakes in it. I believe there are no mistakes in it. And God helping me, and God helping me, I'm going to try to obey it. I'm going to try to obey it. Amen. We need to love it and live it and, and memorize it, make it a part of our life, the Word of God of God. And in it we learn everything that we need to know about the subject of prayer. About the subject of prayer. We talked a little bit about it in Sunday school. We've got some quotes and some special items inside the bulletin today. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will and it shall be done unto you. When we come to give you the simple basics of prayer and getting those prayers answered, I want you to remember the place that the Word of God has in our prayer life. So important. So very important. And hopefully today we'll come full circle by the time we're finished. You're going to say thank you, preacher, for sharing with us about, about prayer, where it, where it comes from, where it goes to, and how it gets done and it's not left uh, up to us to simply be creative. Turn in your Bibles, would you please, to Mark's Gospel. Everybody find Mark's Gospel, chapter 11. David Ingalls, who is a gospel songwriter, has written a lot of songs. David Ingalls wrote a song that goes, uh, Mark, uh, let's see, Mark 11.23 is dear to me. And right next door, Mark 11.24. I like that. Let's go again. Here we go. Mark 11.23 is dear to me. And right next door, Mark 11.24. We're going to back up to verse 22 and read down through verse 26 as our text today. Everybody, please follow as I read. I may be asking you along the way to help me out with this. All right, everybody out there uh, on live stream, we've got Mark chapter 11 beginning at verse 22, and who answered them? Jesus answering saith unto them. Now, let's say it together. Have faith in God. Say it again. Have faith in God. Stop for just a moment. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That's the book of Hebrews. All right? Where does faith come from? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Faith is important. We need to have faith in God. Moving on, I'll read. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, 
Say it. Be thou removed. Say it again. Be thou removed. All right. And be, be thou cast into the sea. It shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. That's very bold, isn't it? That's very bold. But having faith in God is the basis of verse 23. We don't just uh, irresponsibly and flippantly say, that mountain over there, move. That mountain represents something. That mountain represents an obstacle. That mountain represents something treacherous and dangerous and wrong and perhaps sinful. And then verse 24, Therefore I say unto you, What things soever ye desire when ye pray, what's the next word? Believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. So having faith in God, based on the Word of God, believing those things, as God directs, we ought to have faith and exercise that faith when we pray. And when ye stand praying, next word, say it, forgive, that's right. And when ye stand praying, do what? Forgive if ye have ought against any, that your Father also, which is in heaven, may what? Forgive you your trespasses. Now here it is, verse 26. But if ye do not forgive, neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive your trespasses. Hasn't got a thing in the world to do with salvation. This is not a plan of salvation. There's only one plan of salvation. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But as many as received Him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. The way you get to heaven is by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior to keep you out of hell and take you to heaven someday. That's how you get saved. But if you want to get blessings in your life, if you want God to be able to be a Father unto you and show the, those blessings and shower them down upon you, then we've got to be forgiving. We want prayers answered. That's what we have to do. Let's pray. Father, fill me now with the Holy Spirit. I'm asking that you'll help me as we bring this message to help everyone here to get their prayers answered. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hand if you'd like to get your prayers answered. I, I don't know very many people except those who have become so burned out and so cynical who wouldn't raise their hand on that one. Well, let's just go ahead. How many of you like to get your prayers answered? Raise your hand. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if I can help you today, I'm going to do just that. In our previous ministry, one day I received a phone call. That phone call was the voice of a person I had never spoken with before. And she said, I'm calling from such and such a church, not too far away. In fact, it was very close to the scene of what I'm going to describe. And she said, I'm calling you because there is a young man, and he is in the hospital. His name is Tony. He is 15 years of age. And sometime a few days ago, he had a blockage and his bowel burst within him. And the toxicity went all through his body. The poison is all through him. And they say he hasn't got much time. He can't, he can't survive this. It's so radical, there's so much poison throughout his body, he's probably going to die. We like you to go by there because, well, frankly, we don't major in this sort of thing. 
I said, why are you calling me? And she said, because we heard you do major in this sort of thing. So I got the information. It was up on the third floor of the Fremont Hospital, which is no longer operating. I got my car and drove across two bridges, went to the Fremont Hospital, went, in, went into that room. When I got there, I was shocked because he was yellow. The jaundice had taken over. He was, his vitals were in terrible shape. I introduced myself. I knew I'd have to quickly get to it. And so I went through the old Roman road, the plan of salvation, told him the sweetest story that's ever been, ever been told. I told him how Jesus came and how he left the perfection of heaven and came down to this sin-cursed world and he died upon an old rugged cross and shed every drop of his blood on purpose to save lost sinners like you and me and like you, Tony, lying there on that bed. And uh, he made it possible for people to, to go to heaven and know for sure that they're going there. And uh, he rose from the dead and he's alive forevermore. And can you think of anything that would be more important than receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior right now? He said, no, sir, I can't. So I took that jaundiced hand. He was burning up. I mean, he, it, it was so hot. And I said a little prayer, and I led him through a prayer with tears streaming down those yellow cheeks. Tony prayed, perhaps thinking it was his last, his last words, prayed and received Jesus Christ as his Savior. And then almost as an afterthought, because I'm standing there in the presence of a man, young man who is yellow with jaundice, who's filled with poison. Nobody gives him one chance in a million to survive. I said, let me just do this. And I took his hand like this, put my hand on his head. I said, now, Jesus, you're the great physician. And you can heal this body and confound the doctors for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. I got to confess to you. I'm put together just like you are. I, I have a lot of the same fears and doubts that you have. When I walked out of that room, the number one thought in my mind was not, God's going to raise him up. I had prayed that. And I had truly believed that. But I was not overflowing with confidence that this young man was going to get up. Went back on a, another call some days later. And as I stepped on the elevator, there was a young man standing there. He had all of his stuff in his hands. He was checking out. And yes, you know, his name was Tony. And God had healed him when nobody thought he could be healed. And I thought to myself, that proves, that proves it. It wasn't because of me. It wasn't because of what I thought. It was simple faith in a God who can. And I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. I take zero credit for that God thing. Sometime later, I received another phone call. Another voice I had never heard before. It said, can you please 
come over here to Yuba City. We were out there in, in Linda, California, which you have to cross two bridges to get there. Would you please come? I said, how'd you get my name and my number? She explained and she said, my mother is dying. She's dying of lung cancer. She can hardly breathe. She's on the bed here in the house and hospice has said that today could be the day. We'd like you just to come out and pray for her comfort. So I got in my car and I drove, drove across two bridges and I found the place and I turned around and parked in front of their house and I looked at a nondescript house in an older part of Yuba City and I walked up and knocked on the door and they let me in. They ushered me to a little bedroom and there she was. And she was small and she was frail. And she was staring out into space. And they said to me, oh, we didn't tell you, in addition to her lung cancer, her condition has made her dementia worse. And usually she's not aware. And I looked at the lady and I said, but God is aware. God knows all about it. Some of the things that have come out of my mouth at trying times, I didn't sit down and think up. They came out spontaneously because of the Spirit of God who is within. But God knows. I went in that room. I took that little lady by the hand. And I prayed. I said, Lord, this lady needs comfort. And I don't know how long she's got. Would you make her comfortable? And then I prayed this. Lord, would you give me a window of time? Would you make her aware that I'm here and cognizant of what I'm saying. And just like that, within seconds, her eyes became bright. And she looked at me. I introduced myself to her. I went through the old Roman road. Took about eight minutes to go through the plan of salvation. Answered a question or two. Asked her if she'd like to receive Jesus Christ as her Savior. And she prayed and asked Jesus in her heart. And a about a matter of a minute after I was through praying with her and giving her some comfort verses, she went back into that glazed over. I left, got in my car, drove across two bridges. Takes about 20 minutes on a good day. Takes about twice that, three times that when the traffic's bad. You know what I'm talking about on the bridges. Walked in my office got a phone call. Pastor, we wanted you to know she just passed. Beat the devil! Snatched one from the devil! And she was, there was no clue that she was going to be lucid at all. But for that window of time, God answered that prayer. We could go on and on. I've told you about Mama Bear, the, the lady that was a CB lady that had the sore on her leg. The doctor said, four days, that's what we give you. Four days, then we're going to have to amputate. And we prayed day one and day two, and it got better. And day three, it got better. And day four, there was no sore. Mama bear, that's a fact. I could go on and on and tell you about these special occasions that God granted miraculous answers to prayer. 
And you might say to me, I would like to have a prayer life like that. And I have said in this bulletin, there are prayers that get answered. There are some that don't get answered. So the opposite of what I'm going to say to you now would be the prayers that don't get answered. But I want to talk to you about where Jesus was. He had come by a fig tree, and because it wasn't producing, He cursed it. And then the next day in the daylight, they saw that it had been cursed. He had, he had pronounced something, He had spoken something, and it got done. It got finished. It got taken care of because it came from the Lord. You've got to remember who you're praying to. You've got to remember whose authority it is. Jesus said, all power, all authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. He's told us what's nearest and dearest to the heart of the Father, and that is snatching precious souls from, from hell and from uh, condemnation. There's nothing better than that. And so when we're remembering this, this is not, this is not for, for frivolous uh, experimentation. This is for life and death, heaven and hell, serious business. When I'm talking about getting your prayers answered, I'm talking about praying like we pray on the prayer chain. Every day we have prayer requests go down the prayer chain. Every day thousands of people worldwide pray about that. And sometimes as we begin to pray, God answers and shoots back the answer within seconds or minutes that the prayer has been answered. I'm talking about prayers that get answered. Our friend Paul Chapel has written a book about, it's got seven points in it. I've seen another. I've got, in fact, I've got two shelves full of books on prayer. And somebody has wisely said, more books on prayer have been written than practically any other subject unless praying has been done than at any other time in history. People want to read books about it. They want to hear stories like I'm telling you right now about God answering prayer. I've told you about when we smuggled Bibles into China, communist China. Every single bag was getting opened as it was going down the conveyor. I had a, a, just a whole suitcase full of Bibles and books. And they were opening every one of them. And I was praying. And as we were praying, that case came down. And that, that officer of the communists there, the military, was, was uh, distracted for a moment. And he waved it through. That's an answer to prayer. That's God answering right now. See, I want to get those kinds of answers. I'm telling you that every single day on the prayer chain, when you pray, you're getting those kinds of answers. You and others, thousands of others are praying, and God is answering those prayers. You out there on live stream, when you pray, when we ask you to pray, God hears and answers those prayers. But I'm not going to give you seven points this morning. Get an amen on that. Amen. Going to give you three. I believe in keeping it simple. Number one, you want to get your prayers answered? Have faith. Think of the word faith. Faith is believing God. Believing what God says. Not what you feel. Believe what God says in His Word. Faith is based on that. So when we pray, we have to pray in faith Believing. And of course, we understand the, the, the process is it may not happen this instant. And so we got to keep on believing. We got to keep on 
asking. We got to keep on seeking. We got to keep on knocking. He said, everybody who asks, everybody who seeks, everybody knocks, they, they get their prayers answered. Well, if you stop, you don't. So keep on. You say, what if it takes months? Keep on. What if it takes years? Keep on. What if it takes a lifetime? Keep on. Don't stop praying. So I wish I had a prayer life like George Mueller. Why do you want to have a prayer life like George Mueller? So, well, he got lots of answers to prayer. Well, so can you. You don't have to be George Mueller. You can be whoever you are. Fill your name in the blank. God wants to answer your prayers as much as he wants to answer George Mueller. Somebody might say, well, George Mueller never asked anybody else but God. Fine, you can do that too. If you want to, if that's the way God leads you. But God leads some missionaries to send out prayer requests and, and, and uh, letters with uh, needs in them and so forth. There's nothing unspiritual about that. How God leads you may be different than how He led George Mueller. But you, you don't have to say, I'd like to be a George Mueller. I would like to be a praying Hyde, H-Y-D-E. I would like to, I would like to be like the, the prayer warrior who accompanied Charles G. Finney wherever he went. And his tombstone says, mighty in prayer. I saw his tombstone. Mighty in prayer. Mighty in prayer. But why do you want to be like them? Why not be the best prayer warrior that God wants you to be? Why fall back and say, I'd like to be like this old timer or that old timer? Why don't you be the best prayer warrior that God wants you to be? Why don't you trust God? Why don't you see miracles? Why don't you see those blessings showered down? The reason we don't is because we don't have faith. We're not in the Bible enough to know what God said about it. When you pray, you've got to pray according to His will. You don't pray, you say, Lord, just give everybody in the church a brand new car. Well, that's nice. That's very kind. Go ahead. Keep praying that way. I hope he does. But if you're not led of the Lord, and I understand this, even though I don't have the brand names of individual cars, I know that God wants you to get from point A to point B. And it may be on foot, and it may be on rollerblades, and it may be in a car. So all you have to Pray is that God will provide. And He'll put you in the car He wants to put you in. And He'll put you in the house that He wants to put you in. Stop complaining about your car and your house. You got one, haven't you? And keep praying till you get one. Whatever it is. You say, oh, my job. Stop complaining. God gave you a job. You ought to be glad you got a job. Better than all those folks that are staying home. Come on now. I believe in old-fashioned work ethic. If you don't, believe that I believe that, follow me around. Right, Tyler? Follow me around. Amen. Have faith in God. When you pray, you're going to pray according to this book, the Bible right here. If His words abide in you, ask what you will. Amen. There it is. Ask what you will. Have faith in God. Believe the Word. Don't believe your fears. Don't believe your doubts. Believe your Savior, Jesus Christ. Believe what the Bible says. Stand upon the promises. Believe the Bible. We need to be in the Bible. If we were in the Bible more, you know what? There'd be such a transformation. We wouldn't, we wouldn't be talking about the, the proposed revival. We'd be in the middle of the revival right now if we were in the book. Amen. So point number one is have faith. 
Point number two. You want to get your prayers answered? You want to have that kind of prayer life? That you get your prayers answered? Then forgive and be forgiven. We read that. Forgive and be forgiven. Back there in Matthew chapter 6, we're told very plainly, if we fail to forgive others, then we will not be forgiven. Now, does that mean you won't go to heaven? Does that mean you're lost, you're unsaved? It hasn't got anything to do with salvation. It's got to do with getting your prayers answered. It's got to do with being blessed. It's got to, to, to do with the abundant life. It's got to do with all the good things that come down from heaven that get showered down. We need to forgive. We need to be forgiven. We need to have that experience. We need to have a clean slate. My sister, now in heaven, wrote a book, Critters in the Hollow by Jan Beecher. That's B-O-E-T-T-C-H-E-R if you want to go on Amazon. Little book about these critters. These critters, well, she actually created those critters because she used to have a, a children's ministry in her big church that she was involved with up in Minnesota. And she had all these little puppets and these little critters and so forth. And, and the critters were Shadrach, a bulky, shaggy, very green critter with a heart of pure gold. Then there was this one. You're going to laugh when I say it. His cousin, Burple the Furple lives there also, and he too is bulky and shaggy, but he is red rather than green, and he happens to have a rather disconcerting habit of burping, the most inappropriate moments. Then there's Fester the Pest, who is small and annoying, but he manages to endear himself to the other critters nonetheless, sometimes. Uki is the shy one, tiny and blue, with the wispiest of voices. She is one of the hollow's true treasures. And then there's Stupus the Oozle, he lives there too. He bubbles and oozes and glams on to any and all, and he is well-loved. On Sundays, the critters gather at the church in the hollow to hear Pastor Popplesnout preach from God's Word. She wrote a book. It's a, it's a great book for kids. And she's got some great lessons in here. Shadrach and family, Shadrach's the, the green furry character, went on vacation. When they got there, they went swimming. And after they went swimming, they came back to their cabin, and guess what? Somebody had broken in, some real nasty critter broken in and gotten his paws all over their stuff and stolen their money. And Shadrach's dad said, we're going to have to go home. We don't have any money. And as they're getting ready, they're packing up, getting ready to leave where they would have had a vacation that was spoiled now. The police come up and they say, oh, come to the jail. We, we, we got good news and bad news. The good news is we, we captured the, the perpetrator of the crime and we got your wallet. The bad news is all the money's been spent. Now, what would you do? I know it's a kid's story. I know it's made up. But my sister has got it nailed here. The toughest thing that Shadrach had to do up to that point in his brief life was he went down to the jail and went into the room with the bars between him and the critter that stole and spent all that and said, uh, that's what I would have said, uh, I forgive you. The mean critter behind the bars looked confused. He grabbed the bars with both his paws and pressed his scary face as close as he could to Shadrach and growled, what? What did you say? Uh, I said, I forgive you. Yes, you stole all our money and you ruined our vacation. But Jesus forgave us, so I forgive you too. If you don't get anything else, 
Learn this from Shadrach and the critters in the hollow. And that is, if you don't forgive, you're not going to be forgiven. And you can't come to God and say, Lord, I got this urgent need. And he'll say, there's an account that needs to be settled. I want you to think about it. There was, a, I'll just call him an evangelist, tried to ruin my ministry. And I came to the point where I realized I had to unconditionally forgive him, and I did. I forgave him. Another man, on several occasions, tried to block any of my efforts in the ministry, and I came to the point where I had to unconditionally forgive him. And I have. And a woman at a previous ministry used to go around and badmouth me every place she possibly could. Now, who could imagine ever doing that to me? And I unconditionally forgave her. I said, I know what you've been doing. You've been badmouthing me. And she, I said, you've been badmouthing me, but I unconditionally forgive you in Jesus' name. And I'm here to tell you right now, insofar as I know, I've forgiven those that I know of who have done what they have done. And because of that, I can pray and get answers to prayer. How about you? We need to forgive and be forgiven. And anybody we haven't forgiven or been forgiven of, we need to make that right if we possibly can. You say, well, what if they're dead? Then you need to tell Jesus. And maybe you've got a close spiritual confidant. You say, you know, so-and-so died and we didn't have it settled. And I just got to tell you, I'm telling Jesus. And, and you'll have that sense of that load being lifted off. And you'll feel light. And you'll feel like you can get through to God. And you can get your prayers heard. And you can get them answered. All of the other objections that we might give to prayers not getting answered with sin that needs to be dealt with. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me, David said. Absolutely true. We've got in 1 Peter uh, that passage of Scripture about prayers being hindered because husband and wife don't have a right relationship at home. There's sin between them. There's something between them. I want to be able to sing with respect to the Lord Jesus and with respect to each one of you, my brothers and sisters in Christ, and all of you out there and anybody outside these four walls, nothing between. Nothing between. I don't want anything between me and you. I don't want anything between me and my Savior. I don't want any thing to stand between me and get my prayers answered. If my loved ones are on a bed of affliction or people that we've been asked to pray for and I pray and it seems like the heavens brass, it's not because there's something wrong with God. It's because I haven't forgiven and been forgiven. There's some kind of sin that hasn't taken center stage and been dealt with scripturally. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanseth from all sin. We quote that. We believe that. We don't practice that. We only bring the ones out that we think, well, it's kind of urgent. You know, this is a kind of a priority issue, so uh, we're going to deal with that sin. But the ones that are in the back, the ones that are locked up in this back room that I won't deal with, I won't talk about. Somebody did me wrong. Somebody hurt me. Somebody abused me. Somebody treated me badly. I'm not going to deal. I don't want to think about that. I just don't want to think about it. Bring it out there center stage. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm putting it under the blood. Under the blood. And so one day I did that. I, I, for hours I sat there, made a list of all the people I could think of that I might have something against or might have something against me. I forgave 
the people who burned our church in Pennsylvania. I don't know who they are. I was told a couple stories. The devil didn't want our church to go forward, and so he burned our church. And so as a result of that, we just ran more buses and brought more folks in, and we met wherever we could, and, and the church grew. We baptized more that got saved than ever before. But I forgave them. Don't know who they are, but I forgave them. I forgave the two guys that were sitting in the front of the Jeep that were taking me and the pastor uh, near Naga City uh, up to the, uh, uh, the dormant volcano. Maybe you know what I'm talking about. And they, they were insurgents. And they were talking, and the pastor could hear what language they were speaking, and he said, they're talking about killing us and what they're going to do with our bodies. And I th think about those harrowing times in my life, and I forgave them. I don't know who they are, but I forgave them. And we need to forgive and be forgiven. I told you it was going to be simple. Have faith. Everybody say faith. That means believing what God says in His Word. You've got to get in the Word. Come on. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but how many are going to get... Yeah, I'm going to get in the Word. Yeah, I'm going to get in the, I'm going to get in the Word. I'm going to be, I'm, God helping me, I'm going to be in the Word of God. Okay, have faith. Number two, forgive and be forgiven. You need to make a list. And if they're alive, you need to try, try to make some sense. If you can't, well, do the best you can. Forgive and be forgiven. Then number three, this is it. And uh, my wife knows this, and... Tyler and a number of others know this, and you've heard me say it in my message. It's my life's philosophy. It was uh, ingrained in me by my dear father and mother. My father taught me, no matter what, you just keep going forward. You just keep going forward. Don't stagnate. Don't spin your wheels. Just keep going forward forward. By God's grace and for God's glory, you just keep going forward. But you say, the, the, the circumstances in life, that, that means that's a special circumstance, and so you got to waver, so sit over here on the sidelines. No. While I'm praying, I need to be busy about my father's business. I need to be going forward. Well, what if the results aren't what they once were? I just need to be going forward. I need to live forward, not backward, not stagnated, not to the right, not to the left. I need to keep on going forward. I need to do what I know that I found in this Bible. I need to keep on going, keep on going, keep on going, keep on going. No wheels spinning. Keep on going. Don't major in the minors. Don't do that. Be free from worry and care and just do right, do right, do right, do right. Don't stop. And I don't want to shock you, but I will stop when they carry me out of here feet first. But the work of God will go on because we will have shown somebody else how to get their prayers answered. And some other person will stand up here and say, here's how you get your prayers answered. You don't need seven points, just three. Have faith. Forgive and be forgiven. Live forward. Move forward. Keep going. Don't stop. What business is it of ours to stop and check out the scenery and look around and focus on the fatalities and look at all of the negatives and stare at all of the mud holes and photograph those and assess them and analyze them when we can be going forward? 
Someone down the road needs Jesus. So I need to be going forward. Somebody needs to be snatched from sin in the grave. So I'm going forward. I'm going forward. A preacher, what if nobody ever recognizes you? I don't care if anybody recognizes me. I don't care if I ever get my name in lights because someday I'm going to stand before the one person I care about. The Lord Jesus Christ. And I hope somewhere in there, when he says that was good about faith and forgiveness and going forward, I hope he says, well done. Well done. You want to get your prayers answered? I do. I do. I am so glad to be part of a great company of God's people who gets their prayers answered. That's it. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Every head bowed. Every eye closed. Nobody looking. And how many of you today would say, Preacher, God spoke to my heart about getting my prayers answered. Raise your hand up high. Come on. God spoke to me about getting my prayers answered. I want to get my prayers answered. Yes. Yes. Amen. Amen. And so how do we do it? Here's the recipe. We're going to be in the Bible. Some of you today will come forward and say, Lord, this book, the Bible that you gave at great cost to me, I have not shown the respect and the concern that I should toward it. And so today, today, I'm asking, Lord, that you make this Bible more real to me than it's ever been before. And let me be in the book let me spend time with you in the book. Some of you will come forward for that reason. Some of you will come forward. You're not going to tell me who it is or what it is or what's it about, but there's somebody that you need to forgive and somebody needs to forgive you, maybe. You need to come and say, I'm going to take care of that, Lord. I want my prayers heard and answered. Yes. And then some of you have said, you know, I got discouraged. And I sat down. I sat down too long. I got used to sitting down and not going forward, not moving forward, not going ahead. I need to get going forward and occupy till Jesus comes and serve till Jesus comes. I don't know what your reason for coming will be. Some of you will come today because you need to be baptized or join the church or you want to come and pray for someone else. That's fine. But there'll be plenty of reasons for folks to step out today. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Would you pray right now? From your heart to God, something like this. Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I deserve to pay for my sins. I believe Jesus died to save me. Right now, I receive the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart as my personal Savior. Please take away my sins and take me to heaven when I die. I'm satisfied with just a cottage a little silver and a little gold But in that city where the red sun will shine I want a 
Don't think me poor or deserted or lonely. I'm not discouraged. I'm heaven bound. I'm just a. Pig. 